A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who could do that too, if they had those tools. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, well, it's uh, episode 459 for November 15th, 2019. Yeah, it's Woo-hoo. been three months. I'm so excited. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk about whatever comes to mind, because you, you would think with three months to prepare, we might actually fill out this document with some things, but no. Uh, I think about the last two hours, each of us may have opened the document, so there's that. <laughs> I was more like last 10 minutes, I think. Yeah, lazy. <laughs> lazy! Matt didn't even listen to all the voicemails. I'm telling hey, you. Hey, hey, don't, don't put that out there. <laughs> I'm starting to question your both of your dedication to this show. Hey, I listened to both the voicemails, and I made fun of them, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're good ones today. Shannon gave me clip notes, all right? That's right. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we actually do have two voicemails that just kind of came in over the course of the last three months. We have a few yeah, things to talk about the, with um, just catching up. Trip, people. Well, everyone, everyone wants to give us the guilt trip. No, and there's no question <laughs> that doesn't get like prefaced with like, oh, I'm really upset. Like, <laughs> I, I just started listening and now I feel so let down. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We've been doing this for 10 years. What are you let down by? Like, go listen to the library of content. It's, it's, it's pretty awful, but go listen to it. I think I'm going to write a marketing, like a digital marketing book. Like, want to increase your followers? Quit. Yeah. It's yeah. like, there's all these people who just started listening to the show since we quit. Like, <laughs> right. this is awesome. Like, our download numbers have gone up. You know, we've yeah. got to quit more often. Quit, and better yet, tell them to unsubscribe while they're at it because you're never going to do another show again. And uh, <laughs> right. yeah, it, it works wonders. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, it worked for Peyton Manning, so come on. Yeah, that's try. it. All right, so let's uh, let's jump right in, guys. Uh, what's on the bench? I actually used the last set of show notes to see what did I do the last time we talked and uh, and updated it since then. So for me, it's been a lot of projects. We have been cruising through projects in the shop at, at a pace that is uh, something I'm not used to. Uh, just <laughs> and, and I'd like to say it that is, it's all... It is quite a lot. Yeah, I like, mean, it's not... On this end, like to follow... It's, oh really? Is it? 
Well, I mean, just from I'm the sure Instagram perspective. Yeah. It's always <laughs> like, oh, Mark's doing another new project. How am I? I'm not used to you doing so many things. <laughs> I'm not used to you like, working one hard. After an, one after another, after another, after another. <laughs> Usually, what is like, what is there like your week off where you like play video games? Whatever happened in those days? Uh, those are <laughs> condensed into December. Here's here's what actually <laughs> here's what actually happens. This is like there's a multifaceted thing going on here. One is the obvious thing that happens when you hire somebody. There's a second set of hands. We could work a little bit faster than I could work alone. But there's a, a sort of something that was a little bit unexpected for me was the fact that when you start paying someone to work yep. with you, the <laughs> obligation of being in the shop all the time and getting things done and keeping that person busy means we're just doing more. So like things that I used to do a lot more of like taking the kids to school. We used to tag team that, Nicole and I, uh, and then we might go out and grab a coffee and then come back to work. None of that happens because Jason gets here at a certain time and we start working and that's that's how the work week goes. So it's that level of productivity getting every last minute out of the workday, you know, possible and it's a cha- real change in in the like a major paradigm shift in how I view my time in the shop simply because I'm now paying for someone else's time in the shop yeah. and and I'm not going to tell you that's entirely good because it's stressful as hell. <laughs> like I like a more relaxed approach to work and to to building projects. But um, when I know that I'm putting out money for someone to work with me, I can't take a relaxed approach. And I don't I don't know that that's I mean, it's a great thing for productivity. I don't know if yeah. it's a great thing for me personally. So I just I, love the the life cycle, you know, as you start with your own business and You've got that, uh, you know, internet business mystique about you where you can work from a beach and all that crap. (laughs) And then you start to get successful and then you hire people and suddenly you're punching a clock again and working for the man and and coffee breaks don't happen anymore because you don't have time. And it's just like, wait a minute, you sound like me and I work for (laughs) a real company. I work for someone else. (laughs) Your complaints are now the same as mine. Wait a minute. Growth is absolutely a double-edged sword. I mean, there's aspects of it that are fantastic and I wouldn't trade for the world. And it's still better than working for someone else. But if you actually care and you actually are money conscious and you don't want to just like throw money away for no reason, you have to think about what people are doing when you pay them for their time. And so it's interesting. But on the good side, I don't think we've produced this much content on like the free side of things in years. Um, It's been a super productive year. Ever. Probably ever. Yeah. That's, there, there were times that we put out, uh, there were a couple of years, I think I put out like 40 videos in a year, um, which yeah. is huge for me. Uh, at the time, I can't say that they were 40 good videos. It was, <laughs> they were 40 uploads. Let's put it that way. Uh, so, yeah. So we are actually cruising through these projects. Um, I just finished up a pocket knife box because uh, since the last time we talked, guys, I'm now a pocket knife guy. Uh, that's a, tra- a that's a transition I've made in my life, and, and I'm not embarrassed by it. So, <laughs> so I had to make this little uh, Bubinga uh, storage box to to hold all these knives that I purchased, and uh, and it's fantastic. I like it. Yeah, I, I was going to ask that question, like you know, to to quote Wayne, <laughs> I don't have a knife. Yeah, I need for a rack. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of those cases where I mean, I've I've had a pocket knives for years. I've just never really worn them all the time, 
and uh, I just got the bug to start putting it in my pants and uh, started wearing them around. Then I started getting like looking at some of these amazing show title. pocket knife. Yep. <laughs> <And> <laughs> putting it right. in my pants. Putting it in my pants. Show title. <laughs> uh, but then I started to look at some of these uh, you know various popular brands and pocket knives and uh, everyday carry items, and I was like, oh man, these are so beautiful. Look at this knife, and I, I just had gotten into it. It's like a whole little extra hobby. Uh, so there if, you was get, if you get one of those butterfly knives and like get yeah. like the the Johnny from Karate Kid haircut going, and mm. we're gonna have an tough, intervention. I'll be a real tough guy. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, I do have some automatic knives, like little tiny ones that are really nice. Those those are fun to play with. Um, you know the other knives. the other weird thing going on like right now. Um, yes, uh, Ashley Hardwood Hardwood is in my garage right now while I'm talking to you. Uh, is, she, is she production turning while you're in here? Uh, she actually is, and it's it's she's not in there <laughs> against her will. She is uh, in there. <laughs> I got orders. The doors are not locked or anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, no one alert the authorities, please. She wants to be there. You don't have to lock the doors when you chain her to that blade. You can't move that thing. Yeah, there's no reason to lock the door. It's true. It is pretty heavy. It is on wheels, though. She could get away. Um, so we, we actually filmed a whole series for the guild this week and we finished a day early. So she has some things that she was hoping to be able to turn. Um, and I guess she could turn and they're small enough. She could travel with them. Um, so she's like, Oh, do you mind if I just use the lathe for the last day? I was like, have at it. I got other stuff to do, but you're more than welcome. So she's in there right now turning some (laughs) ebony spindles and I don't know what other small stuff she's, she's doing, but it's kind of weird. It's kind of odd, but okay. It's kind of random. She's actually putting your, uh, getting some use out of that lathe of yours. Hey, somebody may as well. You know, she looked at me. She made a joke while we were filming with the uh, student. So we do a uh, a student segment in in her build to like have someone that makes a bunch of mistakes and then she gets to fix them. Um, so she hit like she hit something on the the lathe and she's like, oh, don't do that. You know, she's like, Mark, you you don't want him to mess up your such and such. Uh, like I guess she might have hit the chuck with a. Or the dude hit the chuck with like a bowl gouge. She's like, oh, you don't want to mess up the bowl gouge, right? And I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's the bowl gouge now? (laughs) I I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Like, is it lunchtime yet? (laughs) But yes, it it is. It is really nice to see somebody put that. I mean, it's a beautiful lathe. It's great to see someone um, worthy of it using it. (laughs) So, (laughs) So that's good. Um, but that's really about it for me. Um, trying to think the only other thing right now, um, possibly, uh, well, I'm going to be taking most of the month, if not all of the month of December off, which let's nice. talk about the money thing. I still have to pay someone to not work for the month. That hurts. Isn't that fun? What's that? <laughs> Isn't that fun? No, man. That's it's terrible. Boys, baby. It's terrible. And it's because I want to live it's a lifestyle terrible. that it's allows terrible. me to take some time off. And I want to take that time off, but it's hard because now I'm paying him to take a month off. Ah, business ownership. So much fun. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so. All, you, all your employees, thank your employers for paying you not to work. Yeah. Uh, do, do any of them actually do that? And I mean, uh, paying, paying your half of the taxes. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know any of them who give you the whole month of December off, though. No, I want to work right? for Mark. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's crazy. Are you hiring? So, That'd be great. <laughs> no, not anymore. We're actually looking to downsize pretty soon. Um, so, oh, Mark's you told Jason can. that? Um, <laughs> you might want to tell Jason that. Nicole's Don't do it right before the holidays, man. Come on. That's Nicole's mean. not pulling her weight. So, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, uh, so, you're going to switch um, from Nicole to Ava? That's downsizing, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, so, here's the thing in Denver, stuff moves, like the ground moves a lot. And my garage floor 
has slowly but steadily continued to drop in certain sections and not drop in others. So I have uh, significant trip hazards now. And it's something, yeah, like it was there before. Like, uh, Matt, you were in the shop before. You know, it was kind of on a slant. Um, Yeah. I was expecting you to say it's more slanted now or something. But yeah, it's weird. Things are raising and. Well, I think what's happening, and I got to get a pro out here to kind of look and, and see, but the whole back half, like if you look at the length of the garage, cut it down the middle, um, mm-hmm. the back half of the garage is almost level now, and it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be on a slight really? angle. So because mm-hmm. it's now level, where the slabs meet in the middle, I've got a bulge, and <laughs> and something else is happening on the other side. So I got to get this thing figured out because we can't just like grind down the high spots. Um, this, this may be like a mud jacking situation. <laughs> and I think the entire, the entire back of my slab. So it's probably like four sections. I don't know how long in between the expansion joints, those sections are, um, but all of them have dropped and you could see the paint line on the, the wall, the concrete foundation. Wow. The paint line wow. is, it's about an inch and a quarter. So the slab is an inch and a quarter lower <laughs> than the paint line. Is that insane? How much that dropped? Like, Dang. That's so, I'm, so I'm really getting nervous about it because I want to make sure everything is safe and, you know, we try yeah, to fix your, your it. Garage is going to turn to a sinkhole and all Dude, your stuff's gone. I am convinced <laughs> that eventually my house is going to slide into my neighbor's house. Like the way the soil moves, I'm like, where is it going? We're slowly sliding into my neighbor. Well, it's nice that his house is there to catch yours. That's yeah. yeah we'll, we'll eventually stop, I guess. When, when my brother first got out of college, he's a civil engineer uh, in Denver, actually. And uh, mm-hmm. he started doing soils testing. That was kind of his thing when he was like the, the intern level, uh-huh. you know, pay the college grad to do this crap. And he's like, soil testing in Denver is just ridiculous because <laughs> it's different next week <laughs> yeah everything moves constantly and yeah especially on the west side man all that nuclear waste pumped into the ground from rocky flats so i know well you're we, slipping we, and sliding all over the place believe me i looked at that that map of where that just dis- dis- uh what do you call it, the um, air distribution and wind <laughs> where it took like the plutonium <laughs> and i was very yep. careful where i bought my house <laughs> To hopefully avoid that. Um, But yeah, seriously, the soil here is insane. I've never seen anything like it. And I want to do something that will hopefully, uh, you know, fix it as much as it can be fixed and allow us to continue fixing it because I don't think it's ever going to stop. It's, it's kind of like every five year thing. We're going to have to revisit it and see if we need to, to lift these things anymore. So um, that is probably something I'm going to try to, to get scheduled for December while I'm not in the shop. And this way, if we've got to move tools around and, totally like dismantle the shop oh. to do this um we'll do what we have to do oh. sounds fun right? i thought you were leading you were leading up to another shop move yeah it's, it's about ah. time isn't it it's been hey, you know it's been a whole three years i think uh, <laughs> you know i'm kind of getting sick of this place starting to get itchy <laughs> new shop no, go man. One. Uh, we got the roots set down here this is this is where we're going to be for a long time um so that's it for me guys uh let's let's go to shannon what do you have going on uh, I am doing pore filling right now and I decided to, uh, get, get fancy instead of going with like the traditional, like pumice and rotten stone thing, which mm-hmm. to be honest, I've only ever done that once before. And it was like a little gift box. So it was mm-hmm. like this tiny six inch square type deal. That wasn't really that big of a deal. This is a full blown chest of drawers. So I, um, got recommendations to use epoxy pore filler, um, from guitar makers, Huh. That uh, and I also got some recommendations on some UV cure stuff. So I got um, a can, a can of Solares UV cure 
pore filler <clears throat> or sealer is what they call it. Okay. And then I got some Z-poxy, uh, epoxy resin filler. And that's the stuff that you see the, um, guitar luthiers and things like that using the solarized things was actually recommended to me by, by a student who's had some good experience with it. Both of them are really cool. I've actually settled on the epoxy just because it's like ultimately idiot proof. I mean, it's like, it's <laughs> so hard to factor. screw this up because <laughs> yeah. essentially you just like squeegee it on and you know, where you can screw up is by not squeegeeing enough off. Cause then you just have a, you know, hell of a lot of sanding to do after the fact. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you use those little yellow scraper thingies to, to apply it and just run it across the across the grain as much as possible to smush everything into the pores. And it's got like a 30-minute working time, so you can sit and play with the epoxy forever and you don't have to worry about it tacking up on you, which is great because I was able to do, you know, obviously you can't do both sides of the case if you're setting it down. Um, and I don't right. really want the case sides vertical even though once you you squeegee it off of it off, it's not really going to run or anything. But mm -hmm. it's just nice. It's it's a very relaxed thing because you're not worrying about a at a, um, a cure time. Mm -hmm. The UV stuff, I was nervous because it's like there's no way to block all the UV, like unless I do this at night. And then what's the point? Like, yeah. You know, and I, you know, when I, when I've watched demos of it, there are people that actually have UV lights, like plug in UV lights in their shop. Again, these are mostly guitar makers that hang the guitar up on the wall and wave the UV wand over it or whatever. And it's like super cool. It's like, it's, it's cured just like is that. It, is that quick? That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's seconds. You just run the light really? over and it's done. It's done. It's so yeah, you gotta cool. be careful. Don't buy, do it by a window, I guess. Or exactly. So <laughs> it's like, unless you have a UV light and you can like put up blackout curtains and everything yeah. in the shop. So I'm trying to like choose the time of day where, you know, there's not direct sunlight coming through the window and I'm like putting up, you know, a cardboard over the window and everything. And I was still just mm -hmm. really nervous because you can't, you can't block out all the light. And it's like, well, do you have a feel much, for like just how well, sensitive it is? And that, that, that's what I don't yet. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm overstating the whole thing. Like, like one of those UV, um, for lack of a better word, fluorescent bulb things. I don't know. What is the intensity of that UV light? You know, can you get a sunburn with it or is it even UVA light or UVB, UVC? I don't know. I, and I don't care enough to research it. So anybody who wants to write it in Wood Talk will address it in four months or so. So well, um, no, no one listens to the show anyway, so. Well, there is a demo that I saw of this actual Solaris project where a guy was actually doing it outside and he just like put up one of those tents that you see at like the soccer fields on Saturday or whatever. He put up one of those tents and like um, just put sheets hanging from the side. So like the tent went all the way to the ground. So, you know, there's it was light obviously in there, um, but there was no direct sunlight on it. And right. he did like an entire blanket chest and then... Oh. pulled the the tent away and let it cure and it was cured in like five minutes or whatever that's so, so cool. it's it's pretty cool um fancy but again just that nervous level on my little test board my little like <laughs> one by like, you know one square foot test board i was like oh my god oh my god it's gonna cure on me it's gonna ruin everything so i was like you know what the epoxy was just so mellow and and easy to deal with and boy is it faster than like the whole pumice thing because it's epoxy. I mean, it's gap filling to begin with. Mm -hmm. And the chestnut I'm using <clears throat> is giant pores, huge wide open pores. And I did two applications of it and it's just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. 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 Do you gorgeous. have a sense for like what makes 
because you know how epoxy products a lot of times are just they're all kind of just epoxy in various viscosities. Right. <laughs> is this just like Mark? Stop going away trade secrets. What is what is special trouble? about this particular epoxy? <laughs> yeah, do yeah. you notice anything that makes you go, okay, this is worth buying something called this versus just a couple pumps of like West System or Total Boat? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I didn't. <laughs> uh, good answer. <laughs> no. I was expecting a little more, but okay. <laughs> and, and, and I was thinking the same thing as I was putting it on because it's a little bit more viscous than West Systems. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a lot easier to, to scrape around the surface. You know, West Systems would just like fly off the edge. It's so low viscosity. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't like dripping, rolling over the edges. It would kind of... The surface tension would catch it on the corner and it would hang there for a second for me to catch it and pull it back before okay. it ran down the face. But, you know, like you could go to Home Depot and buy like Gorilla two-part epoxy and a little syringe and that's pretty viscous stuff. Yeah. So this is kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, it does have an amber hue to it. The, um, was it the resin? The resin's the colored stuff, right? I don't know. Some of them are clear. I think it's the resin that's ambered and the hardener is the clear stuff. Um but it does impart a little bit of color, um, which I, I think is good. Now, granted, it's coming off the face. The color's just left in the pores. So like some epoxy, it has kind of a white color to it when it's cured. This mm-hmm. at least has some color to it so that it's not um, that obvious. But again, is it really going to be that obvious inside those little tiny pores? Probably not. Yeah. So I'm sure there's probably something to it. Um, certainly working time is nice. Um, the viscosity is about perfect. So yeah. Is it really any different than anything else? Probably not. I mean, it's all <laughs> resin and hardener, right? You know, yeah. I mean, you can add, put additives into West systems to slow down the cure or speed up the cure and increase or decrease its viscosity. So yeah, I think this is just, you don't have to think about that stuff. This is but just, I would imagine it's not something you really are going to worry too much about it falling out of the pores or um, no. shrink, you <laughs> know, so shrinking much. a lot, you know, after the fact. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, got, I got the, a picture in my mind of like an ice cube tray, just <laughs> just falling out. Falling yeah, just give it, give it a little twist, and they all just pop out. <laughs> right, right. Now, I mean, there is there's a lot of you know verbiage on the box as well that talks about the, the how it's non brittle and. You know how it won't impart color, and it's great for applying like fiberglass cloth. So, mm. even yeah, though yeah. this particular product has been adapted by the luthiers, it's obviously in a boat building world because they're talking about fiberglass cloth. Sure, I don't know where else you would use fiberglass cloth. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm sure somewhere I'm... models. Maybe I don't know if you're if you're like a model train enthusiast. That's plaster. I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. Obviously, I don't so... know where you're going with that one. <laughs> what is this a maker <laughs> but... show? It's a woodworking show. <laughs> Stop it. So, yeah, this is um, Z-Poxy. I like it. Uh, I, I think, uh, and again, what it comes down to is just that viscosity while you're applying it. Uh, yeah. I think any thinner and it would be, well, I think it would probably take more than the two applications that I had to go through to uh, um, get the glass smooth surface that I've got. I think but it's going, pretty cool, any, though. Any thinner, you're looking at like um, like a tabletop coating. That stuff yeah. that's very, very, very like pourable and self levels and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. This is definitely not that. Okay. But it's so cool on the test boards because um, I, you know, I put tape on it and I left one side of the board un, unfilled and the other, and I was just kind of testing to see how it looked as you uh, 
finished one coat and a second coat and just the the, the night and day difference like if yeah. anybody's ever wondered what does pore filling really do just do that little test you know <laughs> half of the board leave it unfilled and the other half fill it man it's gorgeous and like i put one coat of endurovar on it and the build on the endurovar was ridiculous after like just the first right? coat <laughs> like there was there was, it might as well have been the third or fourth coat of endurovar at that point so yeah. it, if for no other reason and you like you want to save on finish Spend more on epoxy. Wait a minute, that doesn't work. That's not a net gain there. Probably not going to work. But save yeah. some time, I guess. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Endurovar drives pretty fast. But yeah, it's 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 awesome. Good, good point. <laughs> yeah, the three hour cure time and then the sanding it off and all that stuff. Yeah, basically just digging a hole here. There's just nothing efficient about this process. <laughs> it's gonna look awesome when it's done. It's pretty neat though. Yeah, I like it a lot. Cool. Other that's than it that, for you? I've been working for the man. You know, all the stuff Mark's complaining about, that's me. Yeah. Except that I can't that's, get them to hire me. anybody else to increase my <laughs> output. I keep screwing things up. I keep, like, breaking the website and saying, hey, I told you I wasn't a developer. Maybe if we hired somebody. And, oh, well, you've always managed before. It's like, damn it. Damn it. Dang it. I have <laughs> managed before. I did this to myself. I've, I've got to stop I exceeding have myself expectations. To blame. I'm too good at my job. Darn it. <laughs> Oh, it's like they wanted me to design a logo the other day, and I'm like, what? I'm thinking about John Funk at this point. Like, yeah. you know, th- there are people like John who can do that, you know, who have artistic traits. Yeah. And then there's me, who is a hack with Photoshop and Illustrator. <laughs> Just because I know how to use Illustrator and Photoshop does not mean I can design a logo. And I was like I can going around and around memes. about why I'm not the guy for this job. And, you know, there's a reason why designing a logo costs five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000, you know? And then it came down to, well, we kind of need it tomorrow. Can you come up with something? Sure. Uh, <laughs> and I Fiverr, did it. Fiverr.com. Well, I'm just yeah. thinking. That's pretty much it. I don't even think Fiverr does a 24-hour turnaround. <laughs> no, no, you're probably waiting days for that stuff anyway. Right. Yeah. Take the company name, Comic Sans MS, done. <laughs> yes. <Whoa>. Boom. <laughs> done. A little bit Don't of the drop shadow. Gotta have a drop shadow. It's important. There you go. And we're done. Yeah, so I did it and I loved it. And the funny thing was, is like this logo that I developed, it's now like on shrink wrap on oh stuff going overseas. It's everywhere. Oh, it's, it's official. Like, it's like, man, I should have charged more for this, man. Come on. Yeah, they it's really needed movement. this. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, All right, Matthew. Yeah, so, you know, don't ask Jason to do extra stuff. Yeah. Well, you know what? Logos and things. You know what Jason does really well? He mow, he mows a damn good lawn. I can tell oh. you that much. <laughs> there are times where there's nothing else to do. And I look around and I go, well, what can I have him do that is stuff that would take away from me doing things in the shop or in the office? And sometimes that comes down to the lawn. And he does a great job. Hey. Okay. So if you're. Lawn anyway. No, it's not that big. Um, it's all good. Anyway, so Matt, what do you got going on? Uh, the hell I put in those notes. Uh, oh, I'm building a trailer right now. Yeah. So I've seen. I've doing. seen some welding and some metals. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's good to get out and do something a little different sometimes. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what you want me to say about that. Just in time for winter. <laughs> Going outside Seriously. and playing outside. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you couldn't have done this in the summer? No, because then, like, you don't have that, like, I don't know what you want to call it. Like people are like freezing your balls you off. That. Oh, I mean, that, that's fine, but it's not, <laughs> I don't really have that much of an issue with it. It's yeah. not ter- too bad, especially right now. Mm-hmm. In like two months when it's like zero and negative Fahrenheit, then it's 
absolutely terrible, but yeah, mid twenties is still pretty cold. But you know, you wear a jacket and some gloves and whatever. I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. But anyone who's like from the south is like, that's crazy. I can't believe you're doing that. (laughs) That's not a huge problem. But anyway, so I'm doing that right now. Just decided that uh, it was just time to do something new with the trailer and the log picking up thingamabobber because my current trailer is. uh, Well, it was. um, It's had a a hard life before it came into my hands and uh, whoever worked on it and like modified it and repaired it over the years not as good as a welder as uh, I am apparently because mm-hmm. wow, all their bad. crap keeps falling apart that's a really bad welder right there I know right that's, <laughs> that's saying you've, a lot you've told stories about your horribleness at welding before <laughs> but my stuff don't break it might not look good but it doesn't break <laughs> it holds together that's all that matters so I, I guess other than the fact that <clears throat> it's content um, <laughs> why build the trailer it seems like you know, you can go to Tractor Supply and get one pretty easily. I mean, uh, don't tell me you're saving money by building oh, your own no. trailer. Because no, I'm, I'm not going to believe you. I'm already into it for more than you would buy a brand new one for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm not even done yet. Um, so basically, this trailer would have to be a custom trailer just because of the size. Mm. You can't get a trailer that short with that much weight capacity. That's not something that's commonly used. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted something with that weight capacity, it would be an 18 or 20-foot trailer, oh, which okay. is too big. For like getting to someone's backyard and pulling a big tree out of it, so I still want to be able to be very nimble, which is what I like about the current trailer. It's just very nimble, it's small, and uh, but the downside is that it's just like not that strong. <laughs> it looks beefy though. I mean, just the frame I see on uh, your Instagram feed is like oh, yeah, the, the new one. Yeah, it's well, it's it's got more steel in it than any trailer you would just buy off a lot. Yeah, at that weight capacity, because mm-hmm. you know well, why the hell not more than anything have you thought about just like trading in the new truck and just getting like a dump truck trailer and truck that. all in one and the, you know the, the the problem with the bigger stuff is just the uh the ground pressure because then you're like on someone's lawn sinking <laughs> yeah that's no good that's not as much fun so yeah, that's, what, that's why like the tree guys when i see them come by they put down like pieces of plywood I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm trying to get these things out of there and get back here so I can get back to work. So I what is the length? Mats. What's the length of this trailer then? It's 12 foot. So I'm okay. going from a, a ten or five by ten deck to a six by twelve deck. So a little wider, so I actually see it behind my truck. <laughs> I can't see my current trailer behind my truck, which is super annoying. Yeah, by you the way. need a smaller truck. You know, I had one. And then it uh, collided with a freeway divider. Yeah, you wish we and talk about that. Another car collide with it. So what's that's up with our, that right now? I just want to know what's up with our wives. Uh, for it's, people who don't know, um, <laughs> our wives got into car accidents about what three or four days apart from one another. Correction: Your wives got into car accidents. Mine can drive. Yeah, your your wife knows how to drive, so it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really odd timing um and uh so so it was terrifying I, timing i locked the yeah. doors and didn't leave the house i was really frightened yeah well you are the third part of this like group of three so oh, like the final destination movie <laughs> something something. Happen. heather you're staying home for a week sorry <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty crazy and in both cases 
uh, our wives were in their vehicles with uh, one or more of the kids. Um, so thankfully, everybody is okay on both sides. Um, but still, yeah. kind of uh, kind of crazy, kind of scary. Yeah, it was a it's one of those phone calls where it's like it's it's very like emotional in like the sense that like I'm really I'm really a, a, like afraid for you right now because you just called me and told you, you got in an accident. But at the same time, I'm also sort of happy because you're actually able to call me and tell me that. Anyone else hear that noise? What is that? I don't know, but it's loud. Okay, it just went away. I don't hear anything. Did you, did you guys hear the Matt, did you hear that? Yeah. It was like the little... All right, well, it's gone. It's gone now. It's your slab shifting again, Mark. That's what it is. Yeah, there you go. You're sinking. Here we go. See you guys later. Bye. Okay, so... Uh, what? Where, where were we? That was really distracting. Uh, it just occurred to me, all of Mark's videos from now on are going to be shot at the 1966 bat angle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why does, why does it look like Mark's getting shorter in every video? Well, he's sinking into the ground. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. So what the heck were we talking about? Our wives not driving? What was it? Yeah, they got, they got some Oh, yeah, you said something and... about the phone call. The phone call is... Oh, yeah. You, you, it's like... It's like emotionally wrenching because on one hand, it's like it's scary because they just got into this serious accident. But at the same time, it's also kind of relieving because they can actually call you. They're not so injured yeah. that they can't make a phone call. M- mine, I hear, I could hear like craziness in the background and she's out of breath. And she basically was like, um, okay, everyone's fine. Like that's the first thing she said. Everyone's fine. But, and I was like, ah, hmm. crap. So yeah, I hauled ass over there to, to see what was going on. And that's, that's no fun. And just thinking like these kinds of things obviously can be way worse. So as oh, long yeah. as everybody walks away from this thing, who cares about the cars? Like we'll figure that out. But it, it's still it's still kind of makes you a little bit gun shy getting behind a wheel. Yeah, it's been a little interesting this week for for Lindsay. Like on Monday, she did not want to drive to work. Can't yeah. blame her. I'm like, I don't blame you. She did it though. She's a trooper. Yeah. Well, that's good. All right. Uh, so anything else? But I know we jumped to the car accident thing. Anything else on your um, plate? Uh, I was going to talk about how I finished up the spice boxes thing in the guild. Okay. You know, that, that guild thing, you should all check out the guild. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. There's some good stuff over there. Uh, honestly, I really enjoyed that one just from the, the sense of like, I enjoy doing these like smaller projects sometimes because there's so much like little tiny minutia details in these little tiny things Yeah. that it, it really opens your eyes to like seeing more of those details in your larger pieces as well. Right. Uh, and on that, I mean, like on those boxes, I did a continuous grain wrap on the case, like the big box, mm-hmm. and then a continuous grain wrap on the little boxes on the inside. Because why not? Because overkill. Why not, baby? <laughs> hey, it's the guild. It's got to be overkill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, it, was, it was good, though. It was good to see. And um, I, got, I should, probably should have mentioned with my stuff the tool cabinet uh, that I did for the, the workbench which is yeah, that was it, cool. It's been completed for a while now, but it's um it's there, and it, it was this hilarious back and forth in my brain where I keep going. It's just shop furniture, and then I'm adding string yeah. inlay, you know. Yeah, and then it's no, like you, you took that one pretty far. Yeah, but it's just shop like, furniture. What has he done? <laughs> well, it keeps going. I'm like, what is he? Just keep going. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> I think what happened was I watched too many Spice Box episodes. I think so. I think exactly what happened. And it influenced me. Like, no, I've got to add more. There's got to be more detail. <laughs> There's got to be more detail. I mean, you can't just make a little box 
you got to yeah. make 16 videos while making these little boxes. Uh, seriously. Now, what I want to know is I think I saw <laughs> in your Instagram that you picked up the Lee Nielsen string inlay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got that uh, whole kit that they've got set up Steve and DVD and everything. But that was after the toolbox, mm-hmm. wasn't it? It was, yeah, so yeah. What has <laughs> happened now? Someone uh, caught a bug, I guess? Because you, I guess before you did that with just like a router? Yeah, it was just with a router, and I cut the, <laughs> the inlay material at the bandsaw, sized it down, right. and just kind of manually did everything. But what, I mean, that's great for straight lines. And if you just want to do perimeter inlays forever, that's probably going to work just fine. But I was like, you know, it would be nice to see a little bit more control here. And the router is good. But you got to think about how easy. I mean, it's it's high stakes work when you've got a finished drawer front that's already mortised for you know these uh, <laughs> these flush uh, handles. Oh, you know, and everything's gets, cut the size. Joinery gets your is heart done. Going. Yeah, I mean, talk about waking get the you sweats up. a little bit. You know, oh yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. that one. I got and I got ADDs to do, and not one of them can be messed up. Like they all have to work. Um, so I was looking at, I'm like, you know, I know there's special like tools and I'm kind of reinventing the wheel in my brain here on something that's been done for centuries, uh, you know, with, with hand tools, let me go see what else is out there. So one of the really attractive things about the hand tool methodology is that it's slower and that it's a lot harder to go over a line. Um, Mm -hmm, and you're just kind of dragging these things and make, and it's such a little minuscule, uh, mortise or groove that you're creating for the string inlay that it actually is a lot harder to mess up when you're doing this with hand tools. So I, I just kind of for for fun um, was like, I wonder, you know, if I, I should look into this and see what these tools look like. And I just immediately looking at the tool set saw several things and I'm like, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Hmm. Uh, and then it comes with a, a Steve Lotta uh, DVD. Um, and now I got to find a, a, a device to put that in. That's so that so you play over there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, not sure I have anything for that. Maybe I'll just... Uh, where do I, I stick I, this? Don't I stick this in like a table and pour epoxy yeah. over it? Isn't that I what do. I do with this DVD? I think I still have stuff that it will allow me to rip it and get it on Plex. And then I'll be able to watch it there. Um, <laughs> ah, those days. Uh. Well, and, and you think about things like you, if you start to get into curves and things like um, like you might see on the front of, or the front of like a Pennsylvania spice chest or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you really get into those curved uh, elements and start thinking about doing that with a router. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know exactly how you would how you would approach it with like a bunch of baby trammel arms. <laughs> like, what would yeah. you do? But that's how you, I've seen it. Right. Little trammels. Yeah. yeah. And you, you think of it with uh, hand tools and these tools that actually have little pins built in and a nice little arm. You could you could uh, move the blade at different. Like, it just seems like it, it's so much more conducive to getting that done. So, yeah, I might I might dig into that a little bit deeper. And it was so fun to add just that simple decorative element that took simple drawers to a whole new level. Um, yeah, so they're fun. really sexy. Thank you, way. sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I would just be worried spinning a router bit that tiny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the, the smallest <laughs> router bit I ever saw was a sixteenth of an inch, and that was yeah. just like this is just ridiculous. Like this yeah. thing spinning at twenty thousand RPMs, just it can't be that strong. And that little sixteen-inch thing's going to snap off and go spinning across my shop. Got to be a careful. Sixteenth, a sixteenth is actually kind of heavy for stringing. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're under that. You're measured usually in 30 seconds and 60 fourths when you're doing some of that stringing. So, yeah, well, I, it's just funny because I brought it up because I just used that same tool to put stringing into a bow front onto a, a side table like nice. two days ago. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's like a meditative thing. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. And, and it's not you, you say it's slower, but it's not slow. Right. You know, right. it's slower to the point where I'm not going to screw this up, but. 
I was done in like 30 seconds, you know, well, the, for this like 20 inch curve. Yeah. Cause it's a scraper. You, you go back and forth scratching this thing and boom, right. you're done. It's great. Yeah. And, it, and you're right. It is slower, but it's the speed it needs to be. The router is right. faster, but it's too fast. <laughs> like it doesn't right. need to be that fast. I don't want it to be that fast. Right. Yeah, uh, well, you know, taking I actually, a U turn at 60 miles an hour. Not a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. You might get into an accident. Like our wives yeah. found out, huh? Good <laughs> tie-in. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, thanks. I actually went and got from Stu Mac a set of really tiny router bits, like the kind. Um, I, I don't know what the size of the, um, the the shaft is, but it's like it's maybe an eighth. I don't know something really small that you might need an adapter to get into a regular router. So you're using this thing on a die grinder or a Dremel setup. Um, and I got a 16th- five horsepower table mounted router yeah exactly <laughs> but i got like a, a whole set of like ridiculous almost like dental tool type bits like they're really really tiny so i don't know that i'll ever use them now that i have the lee nielsen stuff but i did get a set of those uh i guess if i had a really strong a really long straightaway but even then the hand the hand method seems so much smarter than risking what might happen with with the power tool yeah mm. i don't know maybe i should just send them back <laughs> i don't think i'm ever going to use them uh, though pretty, you know what, for pretty for, tools for decorative inlay, there are times. Uh, that's the only reason I had. A, a <laughs> I thought he was going to say for decorative purposes. <laughs> Just hang <laughs> it on the wall. Doesn't it, I can make a necklace out of it? Actually, yeah, a nice pendant. Um, but like, if you're doing a decorative, um, you know, leaf inlay or something like that, where you need to get into those corners, the size of that bit is what allows you to get really sharp corners and not have to like do a whole bunch of work afterwards by hand. So I might still use them for something like that. Okay, uh, so we actually do have something here under our what's new section. I didn't put this there, so um, I, did. I think, Shannon, you put that there. You want to yeah, lead, we, lead we've us off spent, We've spent time in the past. In fact, didn't we have an entire episode titled River Table or something like that? No, it was uh, Don't, class, don't, me, don't class in Me, Bro. That's right. Don't class in me. Yeah. So uh, Greg Classen is back, and he's, he's set the, the world on his head. It's not river tables anymore, folks. It's island tables. Woo. Island tables. So uh, you can include the, the link in the show notes. But I, Ar- archipelago? I like this much more than nice. actually the river table. It's pretty cool just because there's like decorative glass and everything in here. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is the type of wood that Matt makes. It's like stuff <laughs> that we stuff. would burn at, at garbage. my lumber yard. That <laughs> Matt would actually hang on garbage to Garbage wood. I have a lot of this crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But if you imagine again that same blue look, but you know the maple in this case, I think that's maple. Less less is, wood is just peeking through the top, and that's the island. It's uh, yeah, it's it's is different. That the, is that the hashtag that he's using for this hashtag? Less wood, less wood, <laughs> maybe more glass, less wood. <laughs> more glass, less wood. Hashtag Save the trees. My island table. Yeah, this is. Uh, so, yeah. This, I mean, it's okay. All right, if you're into that thing. This sort of thing. Sure. I'm just curious to see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, this won't become the same rage that river tables are. Well, if he's smart, he probably has already applied for the trademark so that this doesn't become a problem. You would think. I'm going to go out and be opinionated and say I don't like these nearly as much as, like, I don't know, like an epoxy encapsulation for something like this. I don't Mm. know. It's just me. Why? I don't know. It just looks worse. It's like because the wood's, like, raised up through the glass or... Yeah, up through the glass. It looks looks weird because not they're not organic shapes. They're just weird blobs. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to. If you guys want to look at this, we'll put the link in, in the notes. You take a look at what we're talking about. But I mean, it's it, cool. It, in the I, middle I like of the because the, well, what he's doing is in the middle of those areas, he's created manually creating these raised portions, but they're well within the solid part of the slab. 
Mm-hmm. So it, like you're saying, you have to create a shape, and those shapes that he's made here are just blobs. There's, there's really no like rhyme <laughs> or reason to the shape. I, yeah. I can, I appreciate the, uh, obviously the skill and whatever to put this together, but I don't know, just, I can have my opinion. It's not for me. You're entitled to an opinion. It's okay. Boom, boom. I'm more opinionated. Um, Eat it. I want to watch I this video like it because it's something different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something different. Yeah. Oh, there's a video. I didn't see that. Yeah, a video. all the way at the bottom. There's and it's Vimeo, so you're going to be guaranteed to have ten percent slow motion. Where is <laughs> the section with the floating sixty uh, percent depth of field? And yeah, exactly. Here, let me see what's going. Let's see what's doing here on this video. Turn the volume down. I'm going to skip ahead. Lots of lots of shakuhachi flute. Uh huh. <laughs> Good natural lighting. He's sitting in a chair, stroking his cat like an evil villain. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> now, seriously, though, whatever. It's cool. If you're into that stuff, it's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Good for him. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. Uh, well, and you know, the funny thing is one of the big criticisms of him um, exercising his, I guess, legal right to trademark something. One of the big criticisms was like, oh, why don't you leave that alone and go design your next big thing? And it's like, well, <laughs> This Already is what he's doing. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what he did. He moved on. So uh, good for him. He moved from rivers to islands. Next will be mountain tables. Yeah. No, not the water. Ithmith tables. Ithmith. <laughs> I hear Quithmith coming. I'm going uh, to make a canal table. I'm just going to like run a router down the middle. and done. That's it. Yeah. That's it's a canal. Good deal. All right. Well, uh, speaking of less wood, let's talk about more wood. Lumber update. What do you got for us, Shannon? Woohoo! <clears throat> Stealing this from the, uh, the the lumber update form because, like the wood talk form, it's completely overpopulated, and there's no way I'll ever get to all the questions. So, thank you to everybody <laughs> who listens to the lumber update podcast and submits questions. Fortunately, though, that show you know it's not woodworking, so it's not like we would get those questions for wood talk where somebody was like, "I'm building this project now." And we address it seven months later. <laughs> right. At least this is, these are, these are a little quick. bit more. Yeah, yeah right. That was <laughs> a good speedy response. <laughs> these, are, these are slightly more rhetorical type questions. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nice. But I, I wanted to highlight this one because <clears throat> Matt's here. And Matt makes slabs a fair uh-oh. amount. Uh-oh. Um, this is Ryan on slabs. And he basically has been shopping uh, various lumber yards, and you know, he he says like, I'll go and I'll find typical boards of say soft maple, four quarter boards of soft maple, priced at something like around five dollars a board foot. Then I'll go over and there's this eight quarter live edge slab of similar soft maple, but it's priced at thirteen to fifteen dollars a board foot. And he goes on to say, this is not this is based on my own measurements because they're actually selling the boards per piece, not by the board foot. And he's wondering like. What gives? Like, why is it so expensive? Because technically, the Sawyer is doing less work. Like, they haven't actually sawed it into boards. They just did a through cut and have thrown it out there. So (laughs) could I then therefore assume, this is Ryan saying, could I assume that I could go buy slabs at at a more of a wholesale cost, rip it into boards myself, and get the same, you know, amount of lumber for cheaper? So, No. Ryan, no, sorry, it doesn't work that way. Um, but I, I, I wanted to bring this up with Matt here because Matt is a sawyer, and as you could tell by that noise he just made, it's not quite ah. easier work 
to, to <laughs> slab these things out. But here's the thing from a market perspective, because one of the other things that Ryan goes on to say is, you know, are there that many people making river tables? Huh? See how we tied that in? That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, are there that many people tables. using live edge slabs that the demand has driven the prices up that much? And actually, Ryan, I would say it's the opposite. <clears throat> Certainly, there has been a greater demand for live edge stuff because it's all in vogue and all that fun stuff. But the turn rate on these things is so slow. And if you don't know what I mean by that, you cut that slab, you stick it on the shelf. And instead of it being sold, you know, a week later, it's still there six months from now, taking up space on your showroom floor, taking up space on your inventory ledger. Inventory. Exactly. And and anybody inventory is is going against your bottom line. It's this big weight that's affecting your profitability because this is something that is on your books over here because the turn rate is so slow on these things. They've got to go up in price, um, you know, because I'm only moving one every six months. So I've got to get more bang for the buck. Plus there's the unique factor. When you take a slab and it's live edge and it looks like a tree that is unique. When you start ripping that slab into six inch wide boards, while technically each one of those boards is unique, it looks the same, right? It's a four sided board you know, it's, it's a, a, a cube, not a cube. What's that called? A polygon, <laughs> whatever. It's a board. It's, it's a board. It, is know, not it a could cube. be a cube. <laughs> you know, and, and you've if got you to, cut it into a cube. <laughs> you could. Yeah, I failed geometry, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's a stack of boards. And there's nothing unique about those boards. And those are now priced by the market board foot rate. But when you reverse time and you go back and you combine all those boards into that big slab that has that unique grain and figure that runs across that width and all the live edge stuff it is now it's like it's a figured board that's i mean maybe in the traditional sense it's not figured maybe it's straight grain as anything it just happens to have a live edge but it's treated the same way as figure so you can go and buy regular straight grain soft maple or you can buy fiddleback curly maple and the curly maple is always going to be like twice as much as the straight grain stuff because it's unique because it's rare and that's really what this comes down to you can't really and this is why the yards that ryan has been going to is pricing these by the piece rather than by the board foot because you can't really do that math anymore you know you can't go and find this burl and go oh well that's only like three board feet that here's three dollars you know uh-uh <laughs> doesn't work that way you know that that three board foot worth of cherry burl you know that could be three hundred dollars dependent upon how figured that is or what the actual dimensions of that burl are you know it could be three board feet but it could be three you know 36 inches wide would be probably more than three board feet at that point but still you know, the, the uniqueness of that piece is what's driving that up. It's the same thing with art. You know, you've got an original piece of art and then you've got 20 copies of it. The copies are obviously not as expensive as the original. And actually, in many cases, the original may go down in value because there's so many different copies made of it. So <coughs> Classic. this is, you know, there we go. Yeah, well, Be nice, there's the Mark. theme. No, I, now, I'm, I'm, I'm on his side. I'm just going to say that. So that, that's the unique factor. I'm just going to move on from that. Just don't, but, don't even acknowledge it. <laughs> Matt, from a Sawyer's perspective, though, tell us why it's not quite less work on your, oh. ha- on your behalf. From the so- like, time on the mill, yes, it's quicker. So from a, like, an outsider's perspective, yeah, it's faster because you have fewer cuts to make. You're not turning the log to edge it all and all that stuff. So it is faster in that sense. With the caveat that the logs are like the same size as one you can turn into boards. If it's 
a big old log that you're going to turn into big old slabs, it's a lot more work getting that that log onto the mill, getting it positioned, and then cutting it and moving all the slabs off the mill. So mm-hmm. that's the one caveat with the actual sawing process. Now, where it really becomes an issue is when you get into drying because it's a far less efficient process stacking and stickering live edge stuff than edged boards because edged boards are uniform. They right. have their uniform thickness or uniform width. They nest next to each other really nicely. There's not a lot of dead space in your stacks. And uh, I guess with the thickness thing, obviously they'll dry slower. It'll take longer to dry because it's thicker stuff. So yeah, you, and you're you just air drying. I mean, if you were to stick with, that stuff in a kiln, dead pockets in a kiln are bad news. You don't want that. Yeah. So it's even more difficult to dry as well. So you have a lot more work that comes into it, or a lot, honestly, a lot more inefficiency with the drying process as far as slab production goes. Right. So keep that in mind. There's a lot that goes into actually drying these things because a green slab ain't worth much because you can lose a lot. You can really screw things up, and things can degrade quickly if it's not dried correctly and properly. So that's where a lot, I think a lot of the actual cost comes into slab production. And then you kind of come into the, the sales perspective of it's unique and it's got a turn rate, which is terrible, probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe now, this is, um, you know, being someone who has the equipment to mill material. If I had a choice and I went to the lumber place and they had a pre-milled stock or these things that look like they just, you know, fell off of a tree, I would take the <laughs> ones that just fell off the tree. And I would take them with the expectation that they would be cheaper because they are not processed as much. So I, I totally get what you guys are saying here. But am I? Are there far like way more customers who want this stuff more processed just because it fits into their uh, business plan better? Like, am I just like um, the oddball that wants the stuff? Because if you're talking about turnover, and I'm like, I would buy the crap out of that if it was cheaper. Right. If it was cheaper, right. that would fly off the shelves in, into my shop. But I might be like in the minority. Well, would it fly off faster than a bundle of four quarter? Taking up the same floor space? Well, see, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if like yeah. in the no. industry the as a no. whole, there are there, <laughs> there are companies who need this stuff. No to debate be here. No. Further processed. Right. Well, and, and, and therein is there's there's the the rub if you will you know there are certainly people who think like and agree with you mark but you are in the minority i mean we talk about this all the time about how the the hobbyist woodworker the small furniture will always be in the minority right so you know and forget about whether how many board feet you buy on a year compared to some commercial industry guy certainly they're always going to buy more but the entire industry is built around that demand so the people actually producing this are few and far between. There's not many people actually producing slabs um, because it's not efficient, as Matt just pointed out. It's a lot more difficult to dry, and there's not as many customers for it. The large majority of the customers want actual boards, and they view live edge as a defect. I mean, official grading rules say that a live edge is a defect. So we don't want any of that stuff. So for the the most part, you are very much in a minority, which, you know... Which is weird because you think, well, the demand's low, the price should be low. Well, yeah, but then it becomes niche. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then right, it's right. then it's an artisanal bespoke market, and you know, <laughs> guys like Greg Klassen have made slabs, and not even Greg Klassen. Go back to Nakashima for God's sake. You know, George Nakashima probably made everybody want to use slabs, and when he came around, and so yeah, it's 
there's something to be said if you go to a mill and you can buy a slab and you can you think, wow, that's just raw board footage that I can mill myself. If it actually is cheaper, I would ask a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. how dry is this? And has it been heat treated? Because it's probably filled with bugs. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you get what you pay for. And so if, I, if I wanted to um, pay for a lot in the lumber industry, if I wanted expensive. a bargain, so if I really wanted to get the, the bargain, a good thing to do, maybe that someone like Matt might be able to justify lowering his price on is you, you get a log and I say, I'll take the whole thing and I'll take it. And it's now my responsibility to store dry stack and you're just doing the sawing and letting it go. Yeah. Then you're just sure. paying for saw time. Right. Yeah. Still doesn't change the fact that it's super heavy to move onto the bed and it's super heavy to move each one of those slabs. But I will gladly pay him $3 an hour for that service. <laughs> there we go. It's more than I make now in my YouTube videos. As long as it's not minimum <laughs> wage. That's AdSense money right there, baby. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it is interesting and because I, I totally see um, – what's this dude's name? Ryan. Do we have his name? Ryan. Uh, I totally see where he's coming from because I go into oh, sure. Austin, Austin Hardwoods yeah. – um, you know, on a monthly basis. And I see they have a whole section of a, like a little mini showroom of slabs. And I don't know what the turnover is, but I'm pretty sure they're not moving that fast. And I see this gorgeous board and I'm like, I want that, but I will never buy it because it's, it's way too expensive. And all I would do is cut it up into lumber, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. I like, I wish that was cheaper. And, but it's, it's uh, yeah. what you guys are saying makes perfect sense. I do too. From like, uh, just kind of sharing the the love and the experience of starting with something that rough because you as like the actual woodworker makes all the decisions of how that board is for the process, Mm -hmm. not the Sawyer who has no idea what the heck this is going to become someday. And one thing I've noticed, like the more time I spend in this industry is that good Sawyers, not always good woodworkers. (laughs) Rarely. Rarely do they. That link is not there. Really? So there's not, there's not these amazing Sawyers that are making these amazing pieces of fine furniture. It's just not a thing that you really no. see a whole lot of. Five o'clock bell rings and they don't want to touch wood or look at wood. I'm out of here. We're done. Get me out of here. Yeah. My, no, it's, wash it's, my sawdust off me. That was, that was a, dancing a, shoes on. an epiphany of mine <laughs> as well. When I started working in this industry, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely uh, an odd, uh, odd man out. And the fact that I actually work wood and work, in in the lumber industry there's not many of them yeah so like i mean a lot of sawyers would not really understand a lot of like the i guess the core concepts that we applied to our woodworking and things we're looking for in our wood to be able to do like having a piece of wood so i can do continuous grain wrap that's yeah. you know a pretty typical thing that a woodworker would want to do but a sawyer might even think of that yeah. no they're sawing for that's yield something they do. generally it's all about yield how many board feet you know how many pieces whatever can i get out of this and mm-hmm. sawing to grade the grade says that I need boards that match this dimension, so I'm going to saw to get the most number of boards that meet that dimension. That's because that's that's what pays the bills. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I think this has been exacerbated by the fact that so many large commercial organizations have decided, "Hey, let's get in on this slab game." You know, <laughs> we got yeah. slabs. You know, and 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 that's where Ryan's talking about is the slab is like the proto board. Right. It's it's the step before it becomes a board. So they must have them, you know, so just, you know, instead of keeping working, just stop working and give me what's in between. Don't put them through the edger. Just chuck them in a pile. Right. And, you know, it's like when people say, oh, man, the the trees just aren't the same as they were before. And I start to question that because 
It's not that the board, the trees are getting smaller and that's why all the boards are narrow. It's that the demand for the wide boards has gone down so dramatically on a global scale. The boards are still plenty wide. They're just being sawn into narrower strips when they get to the lumber yard. I I think a lot like there's like these tools like in the lumber processing world that would make like woodworkers like cry. Mm -hmm. Like the gang ripsaw would make woodworkers absolutely cry. Let's take this 20 inch wide board, put it through the saw. We're getting some four (laughs) strips out of it. All no! at once. There's like five blades in there that cut it into strips. That's all oh, it does. Yeah. We made we made <laughs> two by two strips out of a solid forty inch wide piece of teak today. <laughs> Oh my God. And I stood there and cried. I just stood up to the side and openly weeped. It was just <laughs> oh, that's great. And oh, and it was quartered. It was quartered, oh, forty inch wide, quartered piece. Oh man, yeah, that's a it was, big tree. It was, it was, yeah, it was tough. That's insane. That's a really big tree. This rem- it reminds me of the same conversation I know we've had in the past with the question of why is like eight quarter stock more expensive than four quarter? Like people assume it's yeah. it's it's thicker. It hasn't had to have been processed as much. It's a thicker piece. Why is that not cheaper? And I think you guys gave somewhat similar answers in terms of how the the industry utilizes this and um, the eight quarters role in the industry and why it's more expensive. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. <clears throat> okay, um, email and voicemail. What do we have here? So we do actually have two voicemails. I, don't, I really don't remember when these came in, but sometimes we get them and I just put them in a folder and hold on to them. So... Uh, this is a email from Andrew Johnson, and it's almost four minutes long. But because we don't do a show very often, <laughs> I'm going to play all four minutes of that. Hey, guys, how's it going? This is Andrew from Florida. I've noticed a lot of Andrews call in. <laughs> anyway, I've only been listening to your show for about a week or so. I'm about 10 episodes in, and I'm actually going backwards from the latest show uh, to the first. So wish me luck with that. I have a triple threat for you, have a comment, kickback, and a question. My question is about dovetails. I've been consistently woodworking for about two and a half, almost three years, and really this past week is my first attempt at doing hand-cut dovetails. Question is, when did it take all three of you, how long did it take, rather, to actually get good at doing um, hand-cut dovetails? I know Shannon is some kind of savant, (laughs) <laughs> with uh, hand tools. I know Mark does it with power tools. I'm not really sure what Matt does. Um, anywho, my kickback <laughs> is for Don't Mark, and it's kind of along the lines of, of doing uh, uh, joinery and whatnot. 
you said in, I think it was either Cool Your Balls or um, the Booty Call uh, episode. I mean, those are really provocative, like porno sounding names. Anyway, uh, you said that your shop efficiency with your brother-in-law helping you is not quite at 200%. If it was my shop, I wouldn't, I would not have had him just sitting there doing nothing the whole time. I would have had him with a scrap piece of uh, something, you know, working on uh, through mortises or whatever I'm doing at the time. So he can show me that he's, you know, can be trusted to do those types of things without me hovering over him. It just doesn't seem like you're you're letting him or even trust him to do that. So anyway, as for my comment, uh, my comment is about uh, protecting yourselves against burnout. I know uh, you've already quit Wood Talk before. I'm glad that you brought it back (laughs) Uh, since I'm just now starting to to listen to it. Um, But really, I I don't understand. You guys are way better than me to do a weekly show like that for as long as you've done it. Um, you know, wow. But as your audience, uh, my personally myself, I would much rather you do it on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis or whatever basis, as long as the show will continue to go on. Um, yeah, yeah. I I watch a lot of anime, and I know this is kind of like out of the blue for a wood talk. Um, kind of a comment, call in, whatever, but uh, those guys over there are under a lot of pressure from the public, their producers, their whatever, to produce content, you know, week after week after week after week. And if they don't have the help, then they the stress builds on and, you know, they have health issues and everything. They're trying to keep up with the pace and stuff like that. And eventually the, the show that I really like to watch, it'll get pulled and it'll stop for a number of years. And I don't want that to happen to Wood Talk. Like, I want y'all guys to, you know, keep going as long as you can. Uh, But um, that's all I got to say. Really appreciate y'all guys uh, continuing the show. Uh, And I look forward to you guys getting nicer as I journey on my way back to episode one. Sounds like a Star Wars reference. So may the pyromatic force of tight bond be with you. (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks for that, Andrew. Uh, great voicemail. Um, so let's address his question first. He asked about um, dovetails. So how long did it take us to get good at doing dovetails? And uh, I'm still waiting to get good at it. to say. <laughs> Every time I do dovetails, if it's like I'm truly doing hand cut or some sort of hybrid method, I will do at least one or two practice runs. I take my time with it. I just got to get that muscle memory back. Um, I will not just go cold into what? Um, into my project. No, I, I got to practice, baby. Got to practice. God, <clears throat> be more conservative on those first ones, and yeah, then you're fine. I guess it's, it's um, definitely not like riding a bike. Like if it's been a while, if you've been building lots of tables with just mortise and tenon joinery, uh-huh. and then you cut it, you make your first drawer in like six months. It's like, whoa, where did yeah. I learn to cut dovetails? That's where you always start on the dovetails in the back of the drawer. Right? Yeah. The bottom so, drawer, the back of the bottom drawer. Start there, and by the time you get to the drawers that people can see, you're fine. You're good. So, I mean, I didn't really necessarily set out to just 
be great at dovetails. I mean, I've watched in the past. <laughs> but like, you've, you've made it. But here I am, right? <laughs> just an accident. Yeah. It's never been. A, I, didn't, I didn't mean to be this good. It just uh, happened. I, I still never said I'm that good. Um, I would watch like Cosman videos. Like the first handgun dovetail production I ever saw was a Cosman. Um, I think it was a might have even been a VHS from uh, Lee Nielsen. And, uh, you know, and that was cool. And I, I tried it and I was like, ooh, this is, this is a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually I, I actually took a class one time at a woodcraft store uh, that was pretty cool. And, but then from that point, I kind of understood the rules. And then once I had the right tools, I sat down and just took my time and walked through it. I was like, okay, these are serviceable. And over time, I've just gotten pickier and pickier and pickier and have tried to make them better every time I do them. So it's been a constant evolution and it's still evolving because now it's a matter of can I make them happen faster while still maintaining the quality level that I want to see in the final result. So to me, I'm still on that path. I can't say that I suddenly in, you know, 2008, I finally you know, reached the pinnacle of dovetail <laughs> perfection. Um, but it's, it's really a greater understanding of, uh, like Shannon always says, you know, mark a line, cut to a line, finesse to that line. It's like if once you understand that concept, that applies to dovetails across the board, and it shouldn't, dovetail shouldn't be any sort of mystery at that point. Yeah, I've never been a fan of the whole, you know, the, every woodworking periodical out there, now I'm dating myself by even bringing up woodworking magazines, but they all have the like dovetail a day or, you know, one month to better dovetails type thing. I've just never been a fan of, of that stuff because it's boring as all hell, first of all, but yeah. second of all, just woodworking, it's joinery in general is a contextual thing. The joint, you know, abstract from the project. Well, what did you, you know, maybe you learned to cut it, but what if on that next project, the variables are slightly different? And now, you know, what are you going to do? You know, it's, it all comes down to cutting to a line, as, as Mark just said. So I just think throw yourself into it. And there's so many ways to fix a gappy dovetail that you shouldn't even have to worry. That shouldn't be a worry. Yeah, anymore. like a bonfire. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it. When you have unlimited wood like Matt, ah, and now oh, with yes. island tables, he's he truly can use all of his crap wood now. That's right. Yeah. It's all perfect. I gotta stop cutting usable. that crap up in a firewood. Oh. Yeah. So I mean I've got I've got five drawers behind me where there's a couple uh corners on there that I wouldn't exactly look at and go, Yeah, here's a guy who's been hand cutting dovetails for God, twelve years, I guess. You know, you look at him and go, "What did you just learn today?" Kind of. There, there was a some some dude on Twitter. Um, I don't know. He tagged a few of, of us woodworkers and said, "If he, he linked to a video from a blacksmithing guy, can't remember the dude's name." Um, <clears throat> and a guy was like, "His video was make like a thousand of these when you start out." And he's like, "So, so what's the equivalent of that in woodworking?" And I replied to him like, "Nothing." Like build furniture. Don't waste your time doing a thousand of anything. It's not a golf swing. You know what I mean? Like you're not doing the same mechanics each and every time. And the way you right. describe that, and I really see it in that that you know through that lens before, but it makes perfect sense. It's like the the it's so contextual that it's a skill set, and that skill set has to kind of morph and change every time you do something different. So yeah, there's a core. But, you know, just put it into use. Don't sit there and, and do it a thousand times unless you want to be really good at making how to cut dovetail videos. Like if that's your hey, goal. Hey, no. Hey, 
<laughs> I've made a lot of those videos. Yeah, Every that's... guild project. Yeah, and look at how successful you are today. <laughs> oh, look at him now. Look at that beard. Look at well your oil you're, three, you're up to 350 an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Skill pay. But, yeah. but the principles, and I mean, this is actually what I what I tried to do, and I'm still trying to do with the hand tool school. Is it's it's less about learning to cut dovetails and more about learning to cut to a line, yeah. learning how to use a saw because every single cut you make is going to be different. It's going to be related to whatever you're trying to build. You know, what is the what is it a, a, a proverb? The whole teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a day, and no. Give a man a fish. He'll eat today. <laughs> Teach a man to fish. All right. I'm just well, going to shut apart. up now. <laughs> yep. Never again. Remember that old proverb, eat some fish for a day. <laughs> eat some fish. Don't uh, <laughs> feel better. I'm a small man. It's one step for mankind. Uh, something like that. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. So Matt, the idea being to say about dovetails? your sawing skills on I dovetails do. can be transferred to dados, can be transferred to tenons, can be transferred to anything that you do. On yeah. If you do that crap by hand. Yeah, right. if you're a real woodworker, <laughs> he's not. He's not wrong. Uh, so for for me, the the biggest thing for dovetailing was to do a project that had a lot of dovetails in it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Chest right? of drawers. <laughs> I did Pennsylvania spice box that Oof. had eleven dovetail drawers, dovetailed case, and dovetailed bracket feet. Plenty of dovetails in that, and then I did something really dumb. I made four more of those things. a boy. So that'll do, pig. You just you just learn. I think that the one thing that I always say, like I really like about dovetailing, is that you can do it however you want, and whatever that methodology is that gets it to the result you're after is totally fine. I guess that can be applied to a lot of things in life and woodworking, but especially with dovetailing, there's so many little like tips and like tricks and little techniques and little adjustments and things you do a little differently so if you try a bunch of different things you finally find the one that works for you just do that i think a lot of dovetailing is figuring out what works best for you like me i learned i don't saw my half blind pins because i'm just gonna chisel back to the scribe lines and i don't need to saw there for anything that's my weird thing i do (laughs) okay that's all I got. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Dovetails is one of those weird things too. Just, I mean, and it, it's always put on some kind of pedestal. And then when you do some kind of a demo, uh, then you get people who've watched YouTube videos and they go, well, why don't you do it this way? Like as if the, the method you used is so yeah. stupid um, because well, you're not, you don't gang your pieces together. In or, my case, it's definitely stupid because I'm the one doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy's a dumb dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But the, sometimes the feedback on this stuff is funny because it's like, well, it's just why, why do I not seek out the absolute easiest, most efficient way to do it? Well, number one, because I don't do it that often. And number two, the way I do it, it's not that bad. It's not like it's putting me out of like commission for a week because I have to worry about this. It's like saving that extra half a second is not that big of a deal. Yeah, and um, I think I'm one of the weird people that actually enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's fun. And a lot of the a lot of the, the things that i get out of actually dovetailing is just pure just enjoyment yeah oh, i'm yeah. just doing it because i enjoy it i got so a it really, really nice dovetail how... saw i built a bench specifically for dovetailing i'm standing at it right now you. you know it's like dovetailing oh, awesome. king dovetail over there <laughs> look at him <laughs> all right so we do yeah. have one more voicemail here um chris from lancaster amish country good morning mark shannon and matt this is chris from lancaster pennsylvania <clears throat> have to say, I feel that I've been a bit robbed 
as a new woodworker, maybe doing this two and a half years tops, um, and really, uh, for whatever reason, a first-time podcast listener, I've never really been into podcasts, I literally just stumbled across you guys on your most recent... Whose fault is that, Chris? ...quarterly show. <laughs> and, you know, I come to find out that these these three dudes that I love to hang out with on my drive to work every morning... Um, are no longer making content on a regular basis for Wood Talk. So uh, that, that's a little disheartening. But hey, I get it. Things change. Life changes. You guys have been at this for some time. And I guess the, the good news is, is I do have over 10 years of uh, other stuff that you guys have done with Wood Talk to keep myself occupied. But hey, on to my question here. So you guys talk about pre-finishing a lot. Pre-finishing as much as possible. I've done some research online and now I'm confused because a lot of people online saying don't pre-finish or be very careful when you do pre-finish because the, the integrity of the, the glue up um, could could be at risk. Um, you know, the, the glue bonding to the stain or whatever finish you're using is not going to be as strong as the glue bonding to the glue. So uh, I was just hoping you guys could clear that question up for me. Um, most of what I make right now is for my kids. Uh, they're young. There's always a chance they will climb and jump off and attempt to uh, self-destruct, you know, on said furniture. So, uh, yeah, that's my question. Um, keep up the good work, guys. I do follow all three of you on the Internet and Instagram, so just uh, really, really learned a lot from you guys. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to... Uh, Put content together for uh, for us uh, hobbyists out there. Thanks. I really do hope every voicemail comes with a guilt trip included. <laughs> yes, absolutely. from here on out. I'm gonna start calling you. Just can can I just you. can I make make an observation? It's kind of interesting because both yeah. of these questions, um, like in this one in particular, yes, glue will will interfere. Excuse me, finish will interfere with glue, right? Because it's it's it's. I hate to use the word sealing, kind of sealing off the, the wood and not allowing the glue to soak in um, quite as much. So it is going mm -hmm. to affect the integrity of the glue joint. But <clears throat> this is one of those, like, forgive me, uh, and I just forgot. Chris, forgive me, Chris. I mean, no disrespect for this. This is one of those, like, duh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, glue, you know, finish affects the glue. And, I, and I, I'm trying to think, like, why is that a, an obvious thing for me? And... I wonder if, like, is this a um, side effect of the way we learn now? You know, when, when I started woodworking, the option was books. So a book <laughs> was, you know. Old man Rogers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mark, Mark has written multiple books against our um, oh, yeah, urge. Right. I'm going telling him to stop writing books. <laughs> Almost time to do another one. Yippee. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> but but when you when you write a book, you know, the, whatever it is, there's always that like opening chapter that's like how to woodwork type stuff. Yeah. Um or on a on a woodworking joinery, there's always like a table of contents and there's a kind of a progression throughout that. And and this was one of those things that was talked about in 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 the book. Whereas if you pick up a YouTube video or you read a blog post, even blog post is old. Um <laughs> You know, you look at an Instagram post of something in, in, in situ, you don't really get that kind of step-by-step-by-step -by -step -by -step education. Mm -hmm. You're picking up woodworking, you know, 
in progress from 3,000 different sources. And it, I can imagine it would be very difficult to piece it all together. And, and I always love when people say, well, but there's people online saying, <laughs> there's always somebody online saying something contrary to what it is you're trying to do. This is just my way of, of like, wow, I kind of feel bad for, for people starting out now, even though there's this incredible wealth of information at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I ran into the same thing. I have, a, I have a notebook from like 12 years ago talking about dovetailing and making references to Kaleo Kala and a video yeah. that Kaleo Whoa. did, yeah. you know, and Tommy Mack. They'll from the you. Rough Cut, not the Rough Cut Woodworking Show, Rough Cut, the podcast. Yeah, on with, iTunes. With the Looney Tunes. Uh, <laughs> Who's better than right? me? Yeah, that guy. Um, like the, I have a notebook where I was writing all these things down, and I was trying to reconcile the differences from how Kaleo approached it from how Tommy did it. They were both people that I respected. And it was, you know, this is just, man, there's just stuff everywhere. And there's no, um, like, fundamentals People are jumping straight into these projects, which is great. You know, I like to see people just, I am a firm believer, just go build something and you'll learn a lot along the way. But it's, you kind of wonder, you know, when, when questions as what I consider to be as basic as, you know, finishing, is it going to affect my joinery? You know? Well, that, I mean, my reaction when I heard this is why is this up for debate? Like there are some things that right. are debatable. This is not one of those things. This let's, is, let's also throw into the white. same Let's Can't also throw into this tenants. the question of wood movement. The fact that people are debating wood's movement, how it impacts furniture and how, you know, what we should and shouldn't do to allow for it is freaking on flat earth level of, of insanity <laughs> to me. Like, why is this a discussion about wood does not move? It's like, where are you getting this information from? And why is this even because up for debate? At some point, someone heard that if, if the humidity never changes in the room this piece of wood is in, the wood will never move. Yeah. Okay. Or I think it's more like the person just doesn't have enough experience under their belt in enough variety of situations to be able to say that with any level of authority. I, I mean, I'm with you. I but, don't know. But that, that goes back again to the learning by little snippets here and there, you know, and no set kind of order to it. You know, well, when you read a so, book, there's chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and you may skip around a little yeah, and you yeah. go, oh, wait, why did he do that? You can always flip back to chapter two yeah. and you can't do that in today's learning model. And I don't know that I'm necessarily, I'm certainly not condemning it because it is what it is, right? And, and there's so many pros to it, but at the same time, there's no like fundamentals there. So anybody jumps in and... Yeah, I mean, well, you're, you're also great. <laughs> you're also learning from people who learn from snippets. We're on, we're on like the second and third generation <laughs> of this now, right. right? So the initial snippets went out, and then people learn from those snippets, and then people watch the people who learn from those snippets and made their own snippets, and now it's like the uh, the conversation <laughs> that starts, the rumor that starts in one person's ear, and what it's like ten people later. Um, the information just gets so convoluted. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. Uh, it, it's not something I envy. I, I agree. It, it is challenging to find good, solid information. And I'm kind of glad I don't watch a lot of YouTube woodworking stuff because I think it would probably frustrate the hell out of me if this is the kind of things that are being raised as questionable when yeah. an old school woodworker might just go, well, this is just facts and not something that's up for debate. Well, it's Maybe even more frustrating. More. It's even more frustrating when you recognize that's going on. Yeah. Like, 
Um, I'm just starting down a road towards running a triathlon next year. So I'm doing a lot of triathlon research and I'm running into the same thing. Everybody's got an opinion and they all contradict one another, but I know enough to know that that's just the internet. But then it's like, well, who do you trust? Like, yeah. how do you find your tribe, I guess, to find out what's, you know, and, and in the case of, of this, you know, I could actually do physical harm to myself. So there's right. real concern there. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to actually blow up at mile 100 or whatever? So, but I, I totally get it. There's all the, everybody's got their own little opinion on things and who knows who's right anymore. That's exactly what happened uh, with the bandsaw mill. I was like, oh, I'll go to the internet to be like good information. Nope. <laughs> nope. All over the place. Some, some people are so opinionated and so set in their ways that their way is the right way and the best way and the only way that they can never see any other way of doing anything. And I think that ruins a lot of things. And even going like going even further back, like it's very interesting to me to see the people that are so like so convinced of their own opinion because someone taught them how to do this forty years ago. And that's the way yeah, they always did it, so that must be the right way to do it. Yeah. I see that a lot, especially now with the internet and everybody being more connected, where it's like, if someone leaves me a comment and they preface it with, I've been a whatever for this many years, <laughs> it's almost like that turns me off to the fact that you probably have never been exposed to any other way of doing things. So you just assume that whatever you're about to tell me is the only way to do something because that's the way you were taught yeah. in your apprenticeship by this person who didn't think about doing any other thing? Because I don't want to be like ageist, but like older people don't seem to ask why. Like they just took whatever the person told them mm-hmm. as the way to do it, and they never thought about the why behind anything. And the person teaching them never told them the why. It was just this is how you do it. That's it. Let's just do it. End of discussion. That's a good point. And going a little further than that, I think asking why is one of the most beneficial things you can do for yourself as you're trying to learn something. Why is it this way? Why am I being taught to do these things in this order? And why is this thing over here, which seems like a good idea, not commonly used? Maybe it's dangerous. Maybe it's not dangerous. Maybe it's fine and just a different way to do it, but it's not popular. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's just ask why more. Well, my uh, kids do it all the damn time. <laughs> why? They never stop. Why? Well, earlier, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm podcasting. Well, why? I have a show to do. Can you? It's good to see you. I'll see you in a little bit. Why? Uh, well, in that vein, Matt, let's let's at least answer this question for Chris. He's asking about yeah, let's pre-finishing. <laughs> let's give him the why. I mean, Shannon already covered on this for the most part, but generally speaking, most finishes are going to seal the wood. They're going to prevent it from absorbing things or liquids. And when we're talking about wood glues, wood glues that rely on absorption into the wood fibers to kind of fuse them together to bond them. Um, if the wood is sealed with something previously, it will not bond as effectively. So does this mean that a project is going to fall apart? Eh, probably not. It depends on the project, depends on how it's used <laughs> and how good your joinery is. Um, right. But it could present problems. And I mean, maybe you get around it by using a different kind of glue that doesn't rely on absorption into the fibers quite as much. There are workarounds. But generally speaking, if you prefinish a project, you do not want the finish or stain to get on your joints that are going to receive glue later. And that should be a universal truth. If anyone is telling you any different, you should probably unsubscribe from their channel. (laughs) Yeah. So you put blue tape on the joinery. You wrap the tenon in blue tape and you're good to go. You know, it, it doesn't and just check it like before you glue it up. 
Yeah. Like as you're doing your like final inspection, be like, is there any finish on any of this glue surface? Yeah. And I'll, is, oh, I'll get toler- your card scraper out. You know, and I'll tolerate a little bit. Like if I've got a full size ten in, and near the shoulder, I get a little bit of finish that like squeezed out oh, in there. I'm probably not going to do anything about it because ninety percent of the surface area of the ten in. Shut up, Shannon. Is there's uh, Mark phoning <laughs> it in again? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I got senioritis with this woodworking thing. Like uh. <laughs> I'm almost out of here. What are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really fuss about a couple little drops here and there, but if it, you know, if the lion's share of a piece of joinery has finish on it, I'm going to do something to take it off so that I, just to, you know, belt and suspenders cover my butt. So okay. here's the, the question, not to drag this out too much. Sure. He said, you know, I, I think I'll quote him in saying, I know you guys talk about pre-finishing a lot. I personally don't like to pre-finish. The only thing I pre-finish what? are panels that go into a frame and panel door because wood moves regardless of what some people say and that unfinished line could show up as that panel shrinks. Like if you, you can't get finished inside the groove. So as that panel shrinks, that unfinished line might show up. So I always finish the panel before it goes into a frame and panel door or something like that. Um, but like if it's a movable part, like a drawer bottom, I'll pop the drawer bottom out, finish it and then slide it back in, you know, take the top off of the table, finish it Mm -hmm. and then screw the top back down. Um, I've just never been that much of a pre-finish type person. I think Why he's talking about pre-finish? Matt. I think he's talking about Matt here because I will pre-finish strategically if there's a reason to or um, if the project just is like so much more difficult to to finish it afterwards. I will. But most of the time, because I'm filming what I do, pre-finishing disrupts the flow of the project. I really right. like yeah. the concept of having a finished piece. Okay, now the woodworking is done. Let's focus yeah. on finishing. Pre-finishing, there's usually some woodworking or something that has to be done post-finishing that just ruins the continuity of the story I'm trying to tell. <laughs> you know, So I actually am out of the hat. This doesn't work for my storytelling. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so slow man. that you know, by the time <laughs> – if I could finish one piece, by the time I'm ready to assemble it, like the wood on the other piece is oxidized. You know, It's going gray. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and so I, there's like – cabinets like inside corners i kind of like to have the finish flowing around the corner you know i don't want it like you know rounded corners or whatever big glops of finish in there but i like the cohesive look whereas if you pre-finish something and then assemble it after the point the the point you know you got to have really 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 clean tight joinery you know otherwise you've got that yeah, you don't. Like it You're was, saying you don't have good joinery? Not all the time, Matt. <laughs> That's why finishing is great. Uh, he's cut. He's cutting his crap by hand, Matt. I mean, what are you going to do? Oh yeah, he's uh, only going to get I so get good. That. Finishing is great for covering up stuff like that. <laughs> but I think if anyone is really a proponent of the pre-finishing thing, I think Matt, you probably do it the most out of the three of us. Yeah, it, de- it depends on the project a lot. Uh, like casework, I won't pre-finish, but like frame and panel, anything like that. Uh, that's gonna get pre-finished. Just so much easier mm-hmm. than having to worry about the inside of like where the the, know, the frame part touches the panel or whatever. Yeah, all those little so, inside corners. Yeah, so on this when I did the sideboard, that was the first time I took like pre-finishing to the next level. Where the frame and panel doors, I pre-finished the inside edge of all of the door parts, so I never have to get near that panel again. <laughs> nice. Which I think that was. That was like a game changer for me. I'm like, this is so much nicer than like trying to finish this little sliver of wood along the side of the panel without yeah. getting an extra finish on the panel because it's going to screw up your nice, beautiful finish on the panel. Put it together, never have to worry about it again. So, like in those cases, I think frame panel is like no brainer. 
go for it because it's just it's so much easier. But what about the but, story, Matt? <laughs> the story. Have you no basically? Uh, I'm sharing my the story is my joy my <laughs> journey through the project, Mark. Okay. Oh whatever the journey I go on, that's the one that you're coming along with me on. Fine. Okay. If you say, if you <laughs> say so. It's it's all about me, Mark. It's not about the project. It's about me. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. I, I, I don't I don't think you use enough depth of field and slow motion and like I need I need a dustier dust, shop. You know? Dust motes in the sunbeam type <laughs> footage in order for it to be about that journey. Yeah, we need more solar need glare. To spend more time on Vimeo. Uh, I'll get on it. Next <laughs> next project, I'll do better. Uh, okay, so we're already like an hour and a half into this. Um let's close this off with a very brief uh, sort of, I don't know if you guys even have anything to talk about here, but um, are any of us doing holiday gifts this year? Because um, it's middle of November, probably like time to get moving on these things if you're going to do them. Um, I can tell you that every year I go, this is my year. This is the year <laughs> that I'm going to make like gifts for all of our immediate neighbors in the cul-de-sac and just be like that guy. And it never happens. So once again, this year, I am saying this is going to be the year. I don't know what I'm going to make, but I do I do think I'm going to try to get something done, hopefully, whether it's like cutting boards or just, I don't know, the kitchen crap that we give people for holidays, stuff like that. So I haven't started yet, but I'm definitely thinking about it. So what about you guys? Nope. <laughs> what nope. a Grinch. <laughs> no, I mean, as usual, I've got some stuff on the lathe. I'm trying to do some different things this year. Yeah. Uh, what I what I really need is to get an Ashley in my shop. Sure. So I can I can go go on a Dunkin' run and come back and all the Christmas gifts will be turned like a good That'd be nice. wonderful. Take me with you. Um I've actually got a couple of of cabinet type ideas, like small type stuff that I might try to play with. Mainly because I have some lumber that um I've had for more than a decade like figured stuff. And it's like, you know what? I really need to do something with that. Yeah. I need to stop hoarding some of this pretty stuff and just make something. So I've been trying to, to do a little bit. So I've got some like bathroom style cabinets and my sister-in-law is going to be moving. She's going to need, uh, need that need a cabinet. And then I've got a couple cool ideas for, I don't know what you would call them. One, one actually I got the idea from a student. It's a wooden calendar mark. It's a calendar. Okay. It's not an advent calendar though. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Please oh. don't hurt yourself. <laughs> no, Classic. it's just, it's, it's one of those where you can like f- flip the blocks around and match the date or whatever. And it's just kind of a cool mm-hmm. minimalist design. And, um, it's like perfect for, um, my mom and my sister-in-law. So I'll probably be making those. Nice. Cool. Cool. I got to go to Pinterest and start looking at some things. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's the exact market right there. That's exactly I mean, what Mark's giving about. away guild gift certificates this year. That would yeah. be great. Oh man. You get a gift certificate. Yeah. You get a high boy. You get a sideboard. <laughs> all Matt, all Matt projects. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving away Queen Anne high boys. Like, <laughs> like they're chocolates, man. Hey, I saw it's on sale again this week. I told Nicole, I'm like, you realize you put, put in this on twice, sale huh? twice. Nice. She's like, oh crap. I'm like, well, it needs the help, so eh. <laughs> it's fine. I was I was happy to see it. Oh yeah, I forgot I made that thing. Yeah. I don't have to walk by it every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think of how much pain that thing caused me. Yeah. Right. Eventually, I think in 15 years you'll break even on it. So don't worry, you got that coming. Hopefully, I live that long. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. <laughs> you got three kids now. They shorten your life by 10 years each. So. They don't sleep. Uh, they still don't sleep. Kids are kids. weird. Kids are so weird. Our sleep, but not with like without some kind of fifteen anywhere from fifteen to forty five minute ritual. You know, to like oh, the that, process of getting them to go to sleep. That's that's pretty quick for uh, 
compared to our house. It's usually <laughs> like an hour and a half. You guys outnumbered yourselves. That's the problem. Yeah, it was. It's easier when it's two and two. You just split duties. You know, and- it would be a lot easier if we had separate bedrooms for Jr. and Max. Yeah. But like, we have them in the same room and they're sharing a bed. So like. One's like about to fall asleep, and the other one like literally gets up and jumps on the other one, <laughs> like body slam. Hey, well, uh, while we're uh, on this topic, Big Brothers um, is all about. <laughs> what what happened with the house move thing? That was actually probably before Wait. we quit. You were house shopping, or at least kind of looking around. Still, still going, man. Just looking Two for the, years. the perfect opportunity. The market sucks, man. Yeah. Okay. Really, it's that bad. For what we're looking for. Oh, we so want, you're just picky. You know what? I mean, I don't, I don't know if they get into the specifics of like budget, but like if I'm we're spending, we're like we're, we're budgeting to spend like a good amount of money. Yeah, I ain't I ain't taking any kind of like the what we don't want. I guess got to it's not. Yeah, that's fair. Comes that's to a point where there, there's a dollar sign attached to it. I'm not compromising. If I'm going to spend <laughs> yeah, that much money, there's no, no compromising no. at this price point. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's not no. Why don't no. you just uh, look at Denver and spend a lot more and get lo- a lot less? Yeah, there we go. That's, but you'll be near me. Just, um, even more money. Use that sawmill to saw up some timbers and just make your own. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'll be done in 15 <laughs> years. <laughs> well, nice. you've wasted already like one year looking, so you could be done in 14 years now. Wasted a lot of years looking. Yeah. A lot of time. A lot of miles. Gone through a few realtors, too. So, you know, it's, it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for that update. <laughs> All right, well, listen, if you guys want to send us voicemails or emails, we will collect them. Um, send them to woodtalkonline <laughs> at gmail.com, and I will hold on they to will them. sit here. I mean, so you might want to not have, like, you know, things that are time-sensitive. Give us questions that you might actually enjoy listening to four, three or four months later, uh, and we're happy to answer those. Um, so, again, woodtalkonline at gmail.com, and thank you for everybody who sticks with us through this weird quarterly schedule, but uh, this, this, is, this is what we do now. Yeah. And so we do. Happy we Thanksgiving, do Merry Christmas, and Merry New Year. Yeah, and I guess we'll and probably see you in 2020, maybe, right? Maybe Happy Leap Day. I don't know. We may get to you before then. That's a leap year? <laughs> I hope yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it'll be. I don't know. I'm, I lost track. I forgot that this the quarterly thing. I should just keep it with the quarterly like guild instructor payments. That's a quarterly thing that I have on my schedule. <laughs> I should just put it on oh, that. I'm paying Matt. Oh, I got to talk to him too. No, I got to right. talk to him. <laughs> this, is, this is what it costs to get him on the uh, on the call here. A whole check. Where's my check? So my check clears. I ain't getting on no call. <laughs> All right. That just means the next Wood Talk, I won't be on it because Mark will forget. <laughs> since he has, he's not writing me That's a check. Right. So. I'm not writing you checks. Oh, wait. Oh man, good stuff. All right. Well, I got to go feed the Ashley. So, uh, <laughs> need more ebony. So, I guess we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later on. Bye everybody. Goodbye everyone. Great yeah. talking to you all. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.